0: Love Talk Radio. All right.
1: How many times I got to go over this? Music cue. We play the music. And then we partay and talk about wrestling. You know what? For the starters, let's just play the music the way music's intended to be. A little bit of a heartbreak type of flavor, if you would, please. Maestro
2: I think I'm
0: cute.
2: I know I'm sexy. I've got the look that drives the go wild. I've got the move that really move. I said chill. Up and down their spine.
1: I make them hot, I make them shiver, they need you to get weak. Whenever i around, they see me walk, they hear me talk, I make them feel like they're on cloud nine. Alright, so, here's what I'm going to do for you all. I'm going to dip into the archives. Of WWE Smackdown. And uh, this is their old team. I do not own the rights to old wrestling entertainment. Smackdown is live. And uh, so what I'll do for you is I play an old school theme. Well, it's not totally old school, but you get the gist. Face to face One week before SummerSlam In the greatest stadium Of all time If I might add Allegiant Stadium So Less than a week We have people Talking on the microphone Got you Champions and challengers Come face to face Or challengers oh, Okay So John Cena Opened the night With a promo Says a lot of Verbal shots At Roman. Go figure Um Oh, you know, things have not changed, folks. I'm not really upset with John. Simply because you knew this was coming. Renee wants to say that Goldberg was desperate. Well, don't you think John Cena was a little desperate too, even though he's a draw? (laughs) So it says on my notes, I'm going to beat the hell out of him at SummerSlam. Yeah, see, okay. Reigns came out. After that was said, and basically said, I'm gonna. And said he was waiting till sunset to embarrass the champ. Really, you've been gone for how long? And you automatically think that uh, the fans just gonna cater to you, which they did in Texas. They're lucky they did that in Texas. Even regardless, no matter where it would have been, John Cena would have garnered a reaction regardless. Anyways, I digress. So. So I guess they're taking shots at each other, AEW and WWE. But don't you think that's kind of suspicious? That You know, they poking fun at one another. They're probably laughing their asses off, knowing that it's one big giant fucking work. That's what it seems like. I mean, all it really seems like to me, dude, if I'm being dead honest with you, is that when John Cena came back, pardon my burp, my belt's on my there, Sorry. When he came back to WWE, they were hopeful that it would garner ratings, and maybe it has, maybe it hasn't. But sad that that's the only name that's been known over the last two decades, almost. So 19 years total. But the point is, so, yes, the night ended with the contract signing for the women's championship between Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks and her new uh, zoo crew, Carmela and Zelina. I don't care for Carmella, although, anyways, the Intercontinental Championship was on the line, and, well, Shinsuke Nakamura ended up capturing that title. I don't know how much that means to Shinsuke now, but that is a big deal. He's not any longer the United States champion, but, you know, Street Profits beat Alpha Academy. He hit him with a corkscrew neckbreaker. That move was sick. It's pretty cool. And then you saw Seth Rollins cutting a promo. So <clears throat> you can say it was a light night. They don't want to risk injury for the pay-per-view. Maybe you should tell AEW that. I'll get to that later. Pizza Simpson will be joining me shortly here. Mysterio has defeated Dolph Ziegler and Robert Roode. Again, why the fuck did they even lose the Tag Team Championships if so you're going to have them constantly go over, consistently go over the same team? Was to build a feud? I don't know what the fuck's going on there. Kevin Owens beat Baron Corbin, and Baron Corbin came out and said, "If I beat you, I get a thousand dollars." So, yeah. And then after that post match, you know, Baron Corbin seen taking the briefcase out of the arena, and then Valmucing. So this is going to be hilarious. This is going to be you know one of those moments, if you will. Alright, enough of my psycho babble ladies and gentlemen Please welcome to the show The one loyal, steady Person who keeps me in line Which has been a rarity, I mean three have tried and three have failed Actually, let's see here Yeah, three have tried and three have failed Please welcome to the show Slice of Heaven, slice of pizza Wait, Pizza Simpson Ladies and Gentle folk.
0: What's up good
1: buddy You know, just watching wrestling and feeling like Jim from Taxi, not a clue. In the world, you know, it's to say that, you know what I mean. I, I swear to God, that's how I felt. I felt like a stoner watching AEW, dude. For real, it was that bad.
3: Yeah, this was not a good episode. We'll definitely get into it when we get there. But yeah, it was a long week of wrestling, especially trying to cram in the SummerSlam ninety one review, which was definitely fun, but I did not enjoy AEW this week and I was not able to even watch Mayhem this week or at least all of it. But if we if you watched it and we decide to talk about it, I definitely can wing it and probably come up with the show and how the show went by just guessing. So what do you want to get into first, my friend?
1: Well, let's see here. I'm on the list. Well, um, we have our options to go over SummerSlam 1991 first, but that's just a typical me. People from our audience, I don't know what our audience consists of. So why don't we throw it for a You know, why don't
3: we, personally, uh, bro, I want to take a break from regular, re- regular wrestling because af- after watching AEW this week, I kind of came to a revelation that I'm just old school and I just don't understand. I don't understand modern wrestling anymore, and I don't want to understand modern wrestling anymore. So if you would like, I would like to get into SummerSlam 91 first.
1: Oh, that's what I was going to go with, but I think our fans think I'm typically biased to WWE, but that's okay. You know what? Just like Jericho says, if you don't have anything nice to say, would you please shut the hell up? So, with that being said, we're going to get right into these live SummerSlam 91 reviews.
3: Yes, I'm glad we did this I'm glad we went with SummerSlam 91 With it being, you know, super old 30 years old for that matter And I really enjoyed this Because SummerSlam 91 was one of the few tapes My old video store had So it had SummerSlam 91 WrestleMania 4 King of the Ring 95 And the Royal Rumble 95 So I've seen this show Several, several times, so I've really, really enjoyed getting into this. The first match was Bulldog, the British Bulldog, Carrie Von Erich and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat versus Power and Glory and the Warlord, who was managed by the Doctor of Style, Slick. I think this was one of the last few times that we saw the Doctor of Style after this. So what do you, what, what do you, what do you think about this first opening match? I
1: think that when they put that much in effect, It was in Madison Square Garden. I was five years old, so like, you got to understand when SummerSlam starts off with a match like that magnitude. Especially the Warlord's fucking huge. I mean, that dude is like a tower with feet. Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you have like the Texas tornado, or as we the wrestling world likes to call him, Kerry Von Eric. Anyone? And his last and final years. Um is wrestling with a fake foot. So, um, aside from those pointers, folks, I thought that's just like when I watched it, I go, "Oh man, I love old school wrestling" because <laughs> it's even like the cheesiest moments where you know Slick gets involved and the crowd boos and wants the referee to turn around and it's just, it. Oh my God, dude! I felt like so in heaven watching just old school
3: wrestling because it was so simplistic and it was very basic. yeah. Yeah, you know what I really liked about this was exactly what you said. It's just a lot. They did a lot less, and what I what I took from this match right away, Paul Roma was really fucking smooth, and um, Hercules was um, a really strong MF and dude, and I really really liked their finish, the superplex um, splash combo, but the. Um, the the win came when uh, when um um, um um somebody got rolled up, so the good guys won. So that was pretty fucking sick. And next up, we got a, a fucking awesome promo from Mister Perfect, who is perfect for my. For, for that for that matter Who was the ultimate heel Who was taking on Bret the Hitman Hart And one of the matches that turned out to be One of the greatest matches in the history Of WWF Mr. Perfect Versus Bret Hart For the Intercontinental title Bro what you think
1: You want to talk about two technicians That can take anybody from this day and age To school You want to talk about Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning The guy who had a perfect form not just on a suplex, but on even a simple drop. Hold the guy just. Yeah. Oh my God, you he he guys want anybody to study from wrestling school? Like, if any wrestler, any manager, anybody's listening that just got into wrestling, you want to study somebody that absolutely, from top to bottom, from promos to wrestling, in the in ring. With he and Bret Hart just clicked. They clicked so good. And. Yeah. It just was Go so on, just, man, it was just pure. I don't mean, know, like, the wrestling was just pure because it's just like, how do you deny that match is being, oh, it's boring, it's technical. No, it was maps that had the crowd ooing and aahing the whole time.
3: Yeah, and if you really watch this match, you really see how well each of them sell for each other and really make their moves look fucking, really fucking good. Everything had a great, like, crispness. And there was, like, this sequence where, where Perfect threw Bret Hart into the turnbuckles, and then he hit tossed him, and then Bret Hart did, like, a, like, a kick up from, from the seated position, and then Perfect ended up doing the exact same routine. It was really great, and when, um, when that I really like when Mr. Perfect hit that fucking nasty, nasty hair whip on Bret the Hitman Hart. And um, this was just great technical wrestling and reversals with Hart picking up the win when he reversed the leg drop attempt into the sharpshooter. This was really great, and Bret Hart really looked good working from behind the whole time. Next up was the Bushwhackers versus um, the, the Bushwhackers versus the Natural Disasters, and really what I felt bad about was um, Andre the Giant was definitely struggling through this match, and he should have not been out there. He should have been sitting down, and he was struggling pretty good. Um overall, this was what you would think a Bushwhackers and Earthquake versus Typhoon match would be. Um, but the crowd was hot for everything. What would you think, bro?
1: I, I agree because Andre was on his last run, and uh,
3: he was just
1: – I mean, there's something I can tie in. I, I know I've tied in Dark Side of the Ring, So when Andre the Giant was recalled from a little company called UWF back to WWF at the time, now E, um, you can tell that he, his joints were killing him. He was not the same as he was in the 70s and the 80s. He just didn't really, I mean, in his last years up until 1994, the Matt's Madison Square Garden that he was involved in with the Bushwhackers, it's like, wow, you can tell he was in pain.
3: Yeah. Um yeah, he was definitely in pain for this one. Um the natural disasters pick up the wind when earthquake hits the giant earthquake squish on Luke, I I wanna say. Uh Roddy Piper is fucking hilarious on commentary throughout this throughout this entire show. He is screaming through everything. Um we get to see Ric Flair's NWA title being previewed on WWE T V. That was pretty cool. Um then we moving on. Macho Man on the Phone was talking pretty funny. This was uh definitely a lot of promos and a lot of behind the scenes stuff and I really enjoyed the old pay per views of Vince McMahon yelling everything at us and, like, welcoming us to SummerSlam, but he's, like, kind of scary and yelling. I don't know. I thought that was pretty funny.
1: Oh, uh, It's like, <laughs> you remember back in the days when Vince would, you know, when he opened with WrestleMania, welcome to WrestleMania. It's like, okay, cool. You know, Vince innovated that, but as I said before, Howard Finkel created Mania but the concept there is, and Vince just and the rest. So whenever he does an intro, it's either go big or go home. And that's cruel. You know, I mean, I, I miss those days when he was into it. And he's not just sitting in the production truck sweating balls or, you know, his fan on him drinking water or whatever the fuck Vince drinks, I don't care. But I mean, it was it was so cool to hear him like um, not just on this pay per view, but like it was the same for in your house. Like you remember, like when it started, I believe 1994,
0: 95? It was ninety
1: five. Ninety five, yes. And it was like, wow. Vince McMahon as a commentator. Who would have you know? Who would have thought he was the owner of the company? Unless you were a like super fan and knew the inside out.
3: <coughs> yeah, I loved it though. Um, I loved him on commentary. Next up, we got we got Teddy taking on Virgil for the um, for the uh, million dollar title. This was the, the uh, long time coming. Virgil turning on You know turning face on Ted DiBiase Um, Ted is Bombastic and you know Flamboyant and everything That you would think he would be and Sensational Sari was definitely Stealing the show where she wasn't Trying to be as loud but she was Trying to really push the sexuality Where she blew the camera a kiss And I was like wait a minute Sherry what the Fuck is going on now come on Now Yeah.
1: This is gonna sound mean to say, but my uh, a friend of mine who also helped train me in wrestling, um, actually was touring as an extra from you know, if he was a part of Monster Factory and he would there's a story behind this, I'll get back to Summers lines So I promise you. But there was a nickname for Sherry. She was called Scary Sherry. And um uh, the reason for that is because that all the makeup and stuff. Uh, he was quite the uh, character Let's leave it at that And um, a friend of my trainer Basically had a crush on Sherry And she turned to him and gave him a kiss And my my, uh, my friend, my trainer Laughed his ass off at him Because he's like, are you serious? Like, what would you think? He's like, Well I don't know, man and this was back in the 90s around that time So anyways, back to the, you know I digress, I get sidetracked But whenever someone mentions so Terry He's me one back. of
3: my favorite managers
1: Yeah, so bringing me back
3: I, uh, So, um okay, so Virgil Ted really worked his ass game off game In this match, like as as he Obviously would, you know
1: That's because I'm going to point this out for DiBiase one of my favorite all-time heel managers outside of Cornette and Bobby the Brain. Why? Because if DiBiase wanted to sell you know sell the crowd. that, Oh my neck! Oh my! Oh my back! I can't believe he hit me that hard. My God, dude! DiBiase was a genius in the ring. He could really make you believe that he's about to lose the match, and then just when you think... He can't pull a dirty chick out of his hat. DiBiase either grabs knuckles or he grabs a chair or he had Sherry interfere. He, you know, when he had Virgil and he's cornered, he had Virgil interfere. But in this case, you know, I don't think, you know, it's a bad thing for DiBiase to keep retaining the million-dollar title. Why? Because it was a fucking draw. That's why.
3: Well, he didn't retain the title in on this one. The Virgil actually okay. ended up rolling up Ted DiBiase and picking up the win for the for this uh, and ended up taking the million dollar title, which was a pretty great match. The crowd was hot for everything, which I really really liked. The next match was the next match was um boss man getting was it was a montage of the you know or a, a, a hype video for the mounty versus the big boss man that showed that showed the bossman getting tased, which i thought was pretty funny the boss man versus mounty was the, up next and the win, the loser had to sleep in a The loser had to sleep in a New York City jail. It was kind of funny to see a cop versus a cop. But, um, yeah, this was really good, and Boss Man was working his ass off. And um, the Mountie, we kind of sleep on how great the Mountie is, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just want to point out that he's one of the characters that he doesn't. He was not given credit for certain things and what he did. You know, Jacques uh back in the day has worked with the likes of Dynamite Kid and a whole lot of guys that really pushed him to the absolute fucking limit. And when he got in the ring with Boss Man, um, all I can tell you is uh, I was impressed. You know, rewatching that match, I did. I had not seen that, and this tells you our age, folks. Um, since I rented that from Blockbuster when I was like seven, eight, and nine,
3: because I I wanted to see it again and again. Yeah, man. So Bossman Boss man wins after the Mountie kicks out of the Bossman slam. So the Boss man just kind of gives him like a deadlift spine buster, and the Mountie definitely looked like he had his win knocked out of him. And um, he really sold it when he got back, when he got to the back, he did not want to go to jail. It was kind of funny. You lose this match, you get arrested. Um, then here was a whole bunch of promos, which was pretty funny. And then we we all I skipped through most of it. The uh, LOD versus the Nasty Boys in a no DQ in a no DQ match. This was a ba- your basic uh this was a basic tag team match, and they really did nothing here, to, but um. There was no, like, chairs used or anything. I was a little disappointed.
1: I think for the time that that, were, that match and the settings that they had it in, even if it was a PG era, quote-unquote, or non-PG, like, with weapons and stuff, man, I think the reason why they that was not incorporated in that is because I, I don't know if it was part of the production team or creative saying, hey, you know, Use anything else, but we're just gonna get. I remember them going into the concession stands. I remember that. <laughs> My goodness. Um, so that match is more like it should have just been a falls count anywhere instead of no DQ. It's the same principle. I mean, there's no rules, but uh, no chairs now. Every every important match that ever started out with a chair. Let's see, War Games or. Every dynamite, every film so, you know, ever film, So, uh, yeah, cheers, I mean, that match pretty much told the story, so it's all good.
3: So, yeah, moving on. Uh, LOD one with a with the um, doomsday device. <coughs> Excuse me. The mounty is uh, the Mountie is hilarious in jail and uh they gave us a popcorn match something to let the crowd up before the main event IRS versus Greg the Hammer Valentine i fast forwarded through that up next was a uh, was was the big main event Slaughter General Adnan and the Iron Sheik versus Warrior and Hulk Hogan. And when I was a kid, I was happy as fuck to see the the Warrior and Hulk Hogan on the team. I didn't know as an I didn't know till I was you know younger, I mean older, and reading the dirt sheet set the Ultimate Warrior actually held up Vince McMahon and wanted more money and wanted more money and he said he wasn't going to perform without it and then he promptly got fired. Um, really, there's not much to write about. I thought it was hilarious because Warrior and Hulk Hogan were actually using actually using tag team maneuvers. The ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan pick up the win in this one. Um, yeah, man, this was, this was a fucking awesome show where the crowd was into everything.
1: And that's a rarity nowadays because fans are so picky, you know the show, the type of show that they get. Because, yes, um, it depends on you know like the type of crowd, where, what region, and what's going on, who's the current star, who's drawing heat, and all that good shit. Um, yeah, the match, the matches alone, even like the backstage vignettes or promos or highlight packages, or like Macho Man and Liz's wedding. You know, Jake
3: know, snake. And oh, I completely and blew over that. My bad.
1: <laughs> okay. Because The Undertaker, I believe, was involved in the match because got tired of Jake Snake trashing Ultimate Warrior and Savage and all that. So, um, basically, I recall this from when I was a kid. This is amazing because I was only five at the time, but I actually lived uh, in New York. So, like, my thing was... What I saw stuff like the advertisement for like the Wrestle Buddies and um they have the signings at Toys R Us and um it this was a big deal because New York was like a safe haven for WWE back in the day where Vince did a lot of events out east and the crowd, you're right, the crowd was totally into every match, every interview. they just were like hanging on threads because it was entertainment, man. like people wanted to get out of their houses and this was back before wearing masks was a thing. Um, they just want to get out of their houses and see events, whether it be boxing, wrestling and... Uh, Uh, Not so much MMA back in the day It wasn't as popular as it is now But saying from from experience Dude um, Actually living through all that And actually being around it When I was a kid uh, Let's just say SummerSlam Instead of people going to the pisser During certain matches They were just glued to their seats They stood up on their feet when it was like a, a Main event or uh, the Bret Hart missed a perfect match. So, long story short, in a roundabout way, New York was popping for every single match. They were on their feet, or they would, you know, they would pay attention. They were not quiet, but they were just,
3: they were glued. Yeah, it was a different time, and less was more. Um I really enjoyed watching SummerSlam 91 again. I really, I thought it was a cool idea to f- dig up an old one.
1: Yeah, I thought it was great because it brought me back to the hype, you we know, like surrounding, like the neighborhood, na- like all of the neighborhood kids I remember. Brooklyn was all like wanting to go, but we were, you know, we were poor, some of us. Only one of us actually got to go to that lucky bastard. Um, so like it, it was advertised in the city, like on billboards, and it was advertised on late night TV. It was just WWE is still advertised. Don't get me wrong, folks. But back in that time, I feel like oh, not four years old. I was I was four years old. Sorry, but I just remember like my uncle talking about oh, you know, they're gonna they're come to this airport and they're gonna be at this hotel. Oh, I might get you an autograph. Dude, it was just like, it was unreal how popular wrestling was at that time. Especially around, like, the major fours, like the big four, like SummerSlam, Rumble, WrestleMania, and Survivor Series. All uh, events that were created by Vince Jr. So, in retrospect, when we reviewed <laughs> SummerSlam 91, because uh, Pete the Simpsons said, why don't you watch it? Please watch it. So I did. I watched it during AEW because AEW was absolute trash. Yep. But I digress. I've got to save some of that are off the rails, folks. Because trust me, I took notes. I actually watched it instead of guesstimating on how it may look. So you might regret it, you might love it, you might hate it. But anyways, I think we have of Pizza coming up soon, folks. And uh, trust me, you can a gander at us on our social media. It's Wrestle, Radio, Wrestle underscore Radio. That says Pizza, if you have any questions, comments, concerns about the show that we just reviewed. Um, anyways, I better stop blabbing because, well, yeah. Is that. So, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, the following content may or may not contain expletives in its language, and its entirety is not any reflection. The viewpoints or opinions are not reflections of viewpoints coming I mean of the following companies: GCW, APJW, MPJW, Ring of Honor, WWE, or any roasting company affiliate. <sighs> All right, enough. Let's just get past the uh, past the uh, introduction, shall we? Spice of pizza in three, two, one...
3: Brian, I wanted to do a classic deathmatch because I had no blood wrestling on the agenda for this week, so I decided to do a dive into a match that is particularly convoluted and one of my particular favorites because it has a... Ton of spot high spots That I actually counted that I'm going to get Into once I uh, Dig deeper into this Match this is cage of death Five Suspended and Okay Hear me out <laughs> You know it's good if someone Starts with this Starts with this There is a scaffold Above Above the ECW arena, there are two rings in that are set up. One is filled with a million thumbtacks. The other is the actual Cage of Death. Your the object is to start on the stage and walk across the scaffolding and go into the actual cage of death and the way you win is the most people have to leave the actual cage and walk back over the starting back to the starting point yes that that's what i that's what i said you have to go back to the starting point if you leave the mat, if you are eliminated, if you are eliminated, you you are eliminated when your feet touch the actual floor. So it's the most dangerous game of hot. The floor is lava, ever. We have the Messiah, Nate Hatred, Johnny Cashmere, Trent Acid, Adam Flash B Boy, taking on the ever crazy John Zandig. Lobo, Nick Gage Ian Knox Wife Beater and A person to be named later This match Starts with John Zandig Pretty much yelling The rules of the match At you, you really couldn't understand What the hell he was saying But it was pretty funny. Johnny Cashmere was out first, but he did a bunch of stalling, and he did not want he did not want to climb up, he did not want to climb through the cage. So, so they kind of threw the rules out by this point. It was kind of war game style, but they the heel team called the HIV just started sending started sending their guys out two and three at a time. Which I thought was hilarious. So after four, after four members of the HIV, the, the high five fill the ring. New Jack is out to save John, John Zandig. But he turns on John and jo- ends up um, joining the ass kicking. Which was pretty funny. Lobo is out next for John Zandig, And then Ian Knox is Ian Knox (coughs) Excuse me Ian Knox cuts off B-Boy Halfway And ends up throwing Throwing B-Boy Off the side of the scaffold For the first high bump High spot of the match (coughs) Excuse me So That was the first high spot And then Ian Knox ends up Jumping onto one of the Side paneling and Swinging from the swinging Side paneling and drops An elbow onto B-Boy who was laying into the Rings of the ring of Thumbtacks that was high spot Number two this is starting to get Pretty fucking nuts Nick Gage is out and then Adam Flashes out and attacks and then attacks and then attacks Knox with stump tax. This is fucking nuts, man. Adam Flash ends up and Adam Flash hits another flying spear onto Ian Knox who's covered in tax now. This is high spot number three. Back in the ring John Zandig is taking the fucking ass kicking Let me just tell you And Ian Knox is covered in fucking tax bro This is pretty wild so far B-Boy got eliminated And uh Thankfully John Zandig was Was eliminated Who was pulled out of the ring by four fucking guys He just took an ass kicking the entire match He didn't really even get to do anything Um Back in the ring, Adam Flash hits a gigantic lay drop from the top of the cage all the way down to the, to the, to the inside of the ring. That was high spot number four. That had a really, really, really jar his, that really had a really jar his tablespoon I mean his tablespoon. His tailbone, I meant to say, the next, the next big spot, bro, there was tons of high spots. The next one new Jack jumped did a running jump from off the top of the cage onto John Zandick, who was stuck on who was laid across like three tables. This was fucking wild because he, new Jack it was is a big fucking dude, and he really looked like he landed on him flush n- n- this was nuts back in the fucking ring back onto the scaffold, Trent acid gave. Trent Acid gave Ian Knox a sick mafia kick. My, Ian Knox took that Jeff, you know, that Jeff Hardy spot where he falls off something high, where he does that like dead weight flip kind of, it looks pretty gross. He, he looked like he really, really hurt himself. That was high spot. Number six, by the way, back in the ring, a ton, a ton of mayhem. And, um, Somebody got, a wife beater got money stuck to his fucking head, and then they fucking, and and then they fucking hung him with a noose. (laughs) That was pretty fucking funny. Nick Cage dived into the, Nick Gage dived into the the ring of a million thumbtacks. That was a fucking, that was Cage, that was uh. That was bump number seven. and um, here's another crazy one. Lobo gave uh, Lobo gave Johnny Cashmere and manager Dewey Doman a Death Valley driver from off the top of the table through three tables. That was fucking crazy. That was table That, that was high spot number fucking eight. The crowd is going ballistic at this point. Oh man, um, Trent Acid jumps off the side. I'm just writing shit down because it's so many. It's just like one thing after the next after this in this one. Trent Acid jumps off the uh, top of the scaffold. I was uh, I was thinking through the whole thing. How much was how much did this cost? You know, who built this? Trent Acid jumped off the scaffold onto Nick Gates. That was high spot number nine. That was fucking wild. Pardon me, that was not that was not high spot number nine. That was high spot number eight. Back in the ring, they were torturing wife beater. They stapled a plastic bag to his chest, and <laughs> that's gross. And he, yeah, they stapled a plastic bag to his chest, and. Um, during all this he gave Adam Flash he by he by which I mean the wife beater gave the wife beater gave Adam Flash a sidewalk slam that was pretty much flush from the top of the scaffolding all the way to the ring where he did a really, really clean flat back bump, but he did that shit from like twelve or fifteen feet. That sucked. That was high spot number nine that 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 was sucked, you know what i mean and in in the end after i didn 't even i didn 't even really go through all the stories because the story came at the end the this was a pretty much a high spot this a high spot match. The uh, John Zandig came back out with a microphone and was screaming incoherently, but after watching the match several, several times because me and my homeboy love to drink beer and watch this one because 10 high spots in a fucking match is fucking crazy, John Zandig babbles out, Uh, Now, 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 Nate Hatred, who was the plant for John Zandig's team, turns on the Messiah and the hate club of Nick Gage and rest in peace Nate Hatred got back together and the spot came where Nate Nate covers the 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 Nate covers the table with thumbtacks and they throw they throw uh, messiah through the table of thumbtacks from the top of the scaffolding through all this mayhem and insanity I guess Zandig's team Zandik's team won and that was that was the first part of a slice of pizza but my friend that was the most convoluted and crazy deathmatch I've ever seen where I was very afraid that somebody could die at any point Wow, okay, so my show of the week is IWTV 100, where the the IWTV channel was celebrating their 100th title defense with a super show emulating from... Matt Tremont's H2O uh, facility. There's a bunch of people who was IWTV champion, and that was Jonathan Gresham, Orange Cassidy, who's on AEW now, um, Eric Stevens, who's an old-school ROH head who's pretty fucking awesome. You know, this is a pretty prestigious title, so this was a pretty good super show. A bunch of uh, wrestling Wrestling federation sent their um, top guys to this um, IWTV show, um, and it was pretty fucking awesome, I must say, and the first match was a money-in-a-bank-like ladder match for a title shot against the uh, um, for the IWTV Championship, which this was a pretty fucking wild match. This uh, reminded me of those six-way matches from the Independence that you would see in 2005. There was a crazy-ass spot where someone set a ladder up. <coughs> Excuse me. Someone set a ladder up and hit a superplex onto the ladder that was set up on the ropes, and he bounced pretty fucking wildly. Marcus Marcus Mathers, from um, yeah, Marcus Mathers from H2O won the opportunity to challenge the winner of the Wheeler-Utah versus Daniel Garcia match. Up next was Eric Martin versus Kevin Blackwood. Kevin Blackwood has been doing AEW extra spots on Dart. Uh, Eric wins with this reverse, like, tilt a world slam con- cutter thing. I really enjoyed that match. I thought that was pretty good. That was a good big guy-little guy match. Up next was Jigsaw, Hollow Wicked, and, and Ultra Mantis from the former Takara Federation versus Logan Easton, LaRue, Alexander... J- uh, L- Easton, I'm sorry, excuse me, Logan something, Easton Larue, Alexander James, and Richard Holiday. This was pretty slow in my opinion. This was the uh, bad guys from the Beyond, uh, Beyond Wrestling Federation working as slow as possible. They ended up picking up the win over the Chikara team. This uh, the Chikara team did a nice. Cover clutch, super kick combo, but the heels won with a pretty sick 3D. You know, I'm gonna say this was a great show without any any blood and guts and the guys were working hard Back up next with Kevin Q versus Matt Mikowski. this was these guys were pretty evenly matched with, with them both having a striker a strong style striker submission style kind of kind of um, kind of um, style uh, Matt Mikowski picked up the win with a Sick rolling armbar. Next up was Jonathan Gresham versus Adam Priest. Jonathan Gresham, as we know, is one of the best technical wrestlers out there right now.
0: <clears throat>
3: He's one of the best Technical wrestlers right now representing The ring of honor and The holder of the pure title He was taking on adam priest from the new South federation he was a Win the he was the winner Of the new south 2020 big Hoss tournament where that was just the a, a Guys beating the fuck out of Each other tournament that was a good show Jonathan gresham Jonathan Gresham worked uh, Adam Priest's arm the whole match, and Adam Priest worked Gresham's knee. But Gresham picks up the win by reversing Adam Priest's figure four attempt. This was a good show, man. Next up was Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander versus Lee Muarty and Trish Adora from... Tr- as we know, Orange Cassidy is and Chris Statlander is from the AEW promotion who seems to be making some noise on TV. I don't really know, but I hear, I hear AEW has TV. Lee Moarty is the former IWTV champion, and Trisha Dora is making pretty big noise for Beyond and doing some good stuff. This was a, a pretty good intergender match with um, – Orange and Lee doing some nice doing some nice um lucha libre stuff in the beginning uh um Orange and Chris pick up the win when Orange reversed into a mouse trap for the win. John Wayne Murdoch versus Warhorse was up next. This was a standard no disqualification match. This really was, wasn't was that wild, but this did see John Wayne Murdoch hitting a Canadian Destroyer on Warhorse into a bunch of thumbtacks, so that was pretty fucking wild. And in the main event, Wheeler Yuta took on Daniel Garcia and a 60-minute time limit draw that was, man, so hard to call down the middle because both guys wrestled a a completely even match. Wheeler Yuta and Daniel Garcia has also been seen been seen on AEW television. This went an hour, my friend, and this was with with the first thirty minutes of this was of this match. We saw Garcia all over Yuta in the last half. This saw Yuta all over this saw Yuda all over Daniel Garcia for the other half of the thirty minutes. This this ended in a draw when 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 Daniel Garcia had Uta, Wheeler, Uda in a variation of the Regal stretch and with while he was in the clutch, time ran out. We so Wheeler Squeaks by and saves his title and when and thus thus keeping his title by draw i w t v one hundred was an absolutely fantastic event I gotta tell you, my friend
1: sure, okay. yo well i let's see I missed something like that because like. Mm, I would say if it captivates an audience, then you should watch it. I missed out and watched the two
3: companies that are just taking shots, you
1: know.
3: Yeah, man. IWTV 100 was a fantastic event. And definitely Daniel Garcia, who, who was looking to pick up his fourth title, Daniel Garcia versus Wheeler Utah was the definite match of the year
1: I'd say dude the way you described it Makes me feel like I'm missing Out damn it
3: Yep so That's going to be It for me pal
1: It for you Okay well, I guess, um, you know, we'll no one hot take, ladies and gents, because we don't have time, but I am going to play a real quick soundbite, if you will, from Enzo Amore that kind of just, it shocked me that it was coherent and not all over the place. Just uh, give me a second right to pull it up. Okay. So keep in mind, folks, this is Enzo who has not been, I mean, he's wrestling indie circuit shit, but uh, listen, listen to what he says. He's got a point to some of this. Thing. My mentor he passes
4: away and Cody you know says fuck it and he leaves the WWE and joins the likes of uh, Kenny Omega uh, Young Bucks they do all in. I saw that coming from a mile away I think guys like Finn Balor would tell you they saw
1: On that folks What Enzo just said Was that there was an alternative route To professional wrestling So essentially folks What I'm going to do Is just elaborate on that just a little bit And and Pizza has left us So um, What he's saying is that it wasn't intentional Cody wanted to start his own company From the very get go And what Enzo just said Was that perfect angle, a perfect feud. No, it was a perfect way for fans to get a break, a breather, if you will, from the mainstay of professional wrestling. So I'm just gonna say for the first time that was a coherent statement by Enzo Amore I don't think it was the brightest thing to start, you know, bashing WWE because you know, you saw the ratings, they crashed and went down. They went up, they went down. But that's wrestling, right? Anyhow, so ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, the following segment contains explicit language, not suitable for minors under the age of eighteen. Following music, I do not own the rights to Cult of Personality. All credit and for credit is due. All rights reserved. Living color, living color, Cult of Personality. So, following content also does not reflect upon the biased opinions or reflections thereof of. Companies such as WWE, AEW, Ring of Honor, All Japan Pro Wrestling, All Rights Reserved, 2021 Incorporated. Off the Rails Uncensored was a show that began March 7, 2016, coined and phrase Off the Rails Uncensored. Any likeness or reproduction thereof will be punishable and prosecuted in the court of law. All right, fuckers! It's trying to get down to the nitty gritty. Let's roll this bitch out.
0: Take it. Look in my eyes. What
2: do you see? The cost of first high!
1: And I do have time To roast AEW And why I'll tell you why Because Not only did I fully watch that My mistake Because um, If you watch AEW And their contrast matches Were not a Different. It was a very short card, but the only thing that caught my attention was Fuego del Sol versus Miro, and even then, the rest of the match is Kenny Omega and Christian Cage to start off with the Impact. I see the championship or whatever it was, go to Christian Cage. The commentary uh, during that match was very atrocious. Excalibur was the only one calling the shots um, aside of Taz. Mark Henry Ono was. So, yeah. I just want to go over some of the notes that basically I took during the entire fucking show. So, to begin the night, the panel Excalibur, Mark Henry, Jericho, and Taz, and Omega announced the map. Not Omega, Taz. Kitty Omega versus Christian Cage. Jericho mentions how Earl Hevner was a pain in his ass when he was in WWE. So I guess we're taking shots since Cena can take shots. Oh, who cares. Omega hit the low blow When the Young Bucks tried to run interference They threw a chair It backfired Christian Cage wins the title Whoopty fucking do Miro versus Fuego do Sol now, After the post match Fuego do Sol got signed Except Guevara came out with a clipboard And signed uh, Signed Fuego do Sol Then there's a promo backstage For the tag team championships The AEW to be exact Britt Baker was interviewed Red Velvet was interviewed AEW's main event was the women's championship match, Brent Baker versus Red Velvet. There was some interference, and then Red Velvet ended up losing in the City of Steel, a.k.a. Pittsburgh. Overall, this pay-per-view sucked so bad. I really honestly didn't care. I watched, and Jericho kept poking fun at WWE. There really was no focus on any of the fucking matches, so I got to give it an F. Call it ass. The match between Omega and Christian Cage it was good. It was greatly paced until it such a fact that the manager, instead of trying to interfere because he knew what was going on, interfered correctly, meaning don't get in the fucking ring, you doofus! Fuck's sakes, man! If you're involved in a match with a wrestler, you know you got a distraction spot. The referee could have turned around at any point, but because it's so gimmick and it's gimmicked so well. They didn't even turn around and could have ended the fucking match right then and there. I believe AEW knows that they can fix this. It's just you know, it's a matter of trial and error with this company. So to me, watching the matches top to bottom, you know, overall in the card, just made me think, okay, maybe they're trying too hard. Maybe they got in reverse. And then the third thought They know they have Their card in reverse That women's championship Could have started off the night But it was so main event worthy Because it was Britt Baker's hometown And you know she is wrestling Hurt with a hurt wrist So can anyone do what she's doing With a hurt wrist? I don't know But she decided to work So I'll give her props for that Um, But her finisher is a blend Of Sasha Banks and Mankind it's a man or woman, or what they call a manable claw, that goes down someone's throat, and then voila, you win the match. Who do we know of that used to do that? Mick Foley used to have two fingers taped together, and he would put it down someone's throat, and then that would end the match via submission. Because you're literally giving up your air passage, so you pass out, and the referee, okay, you're done, type thing. Um, my least favorite match, dude, to answer your question was all of them Because Omega and Christian Cage Boy, you know, I don't know if Any of the night, you know, that I watched The EW was worth it because me Like uh, at, uh, Pizza Simpson was saying You can lead it or to water But if they don't want to eat on afterwards by themselves and have nuts. Mm-hmm. AEW is like that horse being led to water. There's a whole trough full of opportunities, and boy, you know AEW seems to be showcasing their title or title shots, uh, preludes to pay per views, people getting into brawls, not saving enough imagination, you name it. AEW has become naturally famous. They're not, you know, they're like, well, we want to reserve CM Punk and Daniel Bryan for later. Like, when? What are you fucks going to be able to reserve him for later? If he even comes to Chicago, that is. And also, back to the whole, you know, Matt said that they had last night on the card. They're just wasn't enough breadcrumbs for the ride right fucking home it was that bad rampaged more like rampaged people want to understand how this show works well i see something i review it and then i go off the air so all I can tell you is, from start to finish, it had a great story. The manager got stuck and involved. All they need is the jealous or the violin. Sorry, I'm getting distracted. All they needed was the violin to see how bad the show was going to be. we played it. Well, we didn't have this. We didn't have that. We didn't have all the elements. Perhaps maybe a JR was announcing it. Maybe it would have been a little bit painless or pain yeah, less painful to watch or get through. You Guys, I understand your curtain jerk match had nothing to do with the beginning of the night. Because if there's anyone that could actually fucking work, maybe you should pick a shack back up again just to see how things go. Right? Just kidding. Also. Just a food for thought folks Goldberg is back Cena's back That would have been the reason why Cena left it Was it because of Bray Wyatt I don't know I don't get inside his head I don't honestly know How much longer I can take You know There's certain things going in Where they are But I'm happy as the crown of AEW is Showing their true colors they still got fans. That's the amazing part. They still have fans. Is that a crime? No. That's the way they leave it. So yeah. My personal take on Rampage was if you could have just added a few big names, little thing of I name, mean, people might watch or I might. Watch. What does it matter? You know. When they, when when wrestling company throws together something that's been booked for, you can tell who by whom,
0: and starts accumulating, and accumulating, and
1: accumulating. All right. (laughs) To continue, okay, so. Instead of focusing on the evening, Jericho just basically mentioned himself. Not oh, cool. So, and not just mentioning himself, but the entire night, try trying to listen to four people on a panel, especially sports commentary, like, no, it's just not worth the headache. Drowsy folks. Mm-hmm. On a picnic, but that's a side from the point Every time That I think of turning on AEW I don't at this time I subject myself to Since I had a show today on Sunday No, yeah, that's cool But if you didn't like what good old Brian Rose Ha! Made you look Made you listen The larky that is AEW Or the bullshit that is AEW What do you mean? What do I mean So they're promoing Is that the problem No Is it their lack of um, good judgment And basically being petty And mentioning your stints in WWE Sure Why not Because let's face it Chris Jericho will probably be one of my All time favorite dudes Because he's super sweet Nice in person I've met him a couple times no, that's not the reason. It's because whenever you mention past experiences and then go on live TV on a documentary thing, that's not what we're all about. And you guys are dipping your fingers into the fucking cookie jar way too much. As far as me ever finding some solace or positivity from AEW, okay, Britt Baker participated with a fucking broken wrist. No one can take that away from her. But she sucks. She absolutely sucks. And the only reason why she's getting pulled, I don't know. Maybe because she's a draw. Maybe because she's the only woman inside their women's division that actually has fucking skill outside of Red Velvet and Brandy Rhodes, who is I'm pregnant with child. All I can fucking tell you is there needs to be consistency whenever you have an event like Rampage. The only problem was they had run-ins, a shit ton of them. The only match that did not uh, cover run-ins was the uh, TNT Championship match between Miro and Fuego del Sol. That was the only cool moment of the whole fucking night. Britt Baker sucks balls. I'm sorry. Not really. She's absolutely terrible. She is absolutely fucking terrible. Well, you wouldn't do anything with broken wrist. I don't care. She fucking blows. And when her cover's blown, that she was nothing more than a temporary worker for WWE that got glorified by AEW because of the skill set that she possessed, because of the determination and presence that she's given the audience. Not just the focus on Britt Baker, their whole entire roster was nothing but a bunch of cast-offs. And I know that's kind of cliche because the football team I like has a bunch of cast-offs and people that, and roster members that no one in their right mind would have wanted, but is a perfect fit for the Raiders. The point is, AEW, when watching them, must put your head in a a Home Depot bucket-sized worth of puke because that material... Four commentators, do you guys really need four commentators to depict the whole fucking evening and the whole fucking card and then have them go backstage and do interviews also? Is there positive something that I can say about AEW? I just did. Miro and Fuego Del Sol, congratulations. Your guys' match was probably the best of the whole night. Britt Baker sucks balls, literally, quite literally. And two, three, um, please stop doing indie-style wrestling. at the next level, we're doing indie-style wrestling, okay, so now what you guys are doing is basically giving credibility to the fact that you haven't leveled up, I mean, come on guys like Cody, who hasn't even been in you know, that he took time off to do, you know, do, do one of the shows and guys like Orange Cassidy and all that they bring flavor but the same fucking token, am I angry am I jealous that AEW has talent like, honestly, yo not that they don't have talent it's just how they use them and Rampage was a prime example of how not to use uh, certain elements like running interference in every single fucking match that takes away from the match it's very in my opinion it's very distracting to have constant interference you gotta do it because then the crowd's gonna react they reacted point blank period even if the material sucks balls even if the materials, you know, sucks more than Jenna Jameson on a than on you know, when she's on a porn set. It sucks more than when the Rock's current movie made you want to put your head in a bucket full of acid type feel. Um it sucked more than watching golf for enjoyment Because we all know that some of us don't like that sport. I being one of them. One of the few Americans that are un American supposedly. Look. What it boils down to is that AEW's card was shit tastic and a half. And for those who think otherwise, boy, you you know, you got your opinion, I got mine. And everyone else has their opinion and I have mine. From what I from what I observed, what I gathered in watching AEW's rampage, it was simply this. Please don't do that again. Stick to what you know. Or stay golden, pony boys, because that is a prime example of why Vince thinks you're not competition. Because it's clear <clears throat> that we did, that. Not, not we did, but what you did was, let's do things this way. Let's give the audience what quote unquote they want. Okay. Whatever makes you sleep at night, folks, because... Watching the entirety of it all again, Flego de Sol getting signed and his popularity just you know it just kept growing, his brand kept growing. So, mad props to you, Cool Beans. But the rest of you, pick it up. The Omega Christian match was great. No, it was back and forth. There's way too much going on. How the fuck the referee didn't turn around right at the point when the chair got tossed in the ring is beyond me. Let's have a conversation. So barbecue going to okay, man, turn around. Again, it seems like everything, including chaos in the kitchen sink, was going down in AEW that night, and it was in Pittsburgh. Does that have anything to do with how crappy the show was? Maybe. Maybe not Quality okay. Things they could have done better Well For starters you could have booked the women's championship At the very beginning And save Christian And Kenny Omega for the end But you know They wanted to save and preserve Supposedly the greatest women's wrestler of all time The hardcore legend that only took one night To be known as Hardcore legend or hardcore Bitch please There's more blood elsewhere, and I'm not going to name the hygienic process that you go through, but I'm going to say this nicely. Watching you wrestle was like me trying to pull one of my teeth without Novocaine. You suck. And I said it before, if there's anything that's more painful than watching AEW, there's a lot. You know, physically speaking, mentally speaking, I don't know. That is something I'm not going to do ever, ever again. Not only was commentary all over the fucking joint, the wrestling was okay. It wasn't terrible in some aspects. If you want to confuse somebody less, or not somebody, but more than one person, just situate your card a little better, don't try to book so much shit going on during the match because or plan out. I mean, there's, there's plenty of shit you could have done way better, but did not. And specifically speaking, it was the very first match. It was Christian Cage versus Omega. So my thought process watching that match was, Okay, if if the manager's going to get up on the apron and in the very last, knowing he cannot break up the count because it was planned out in the back, like Dr. C, I believe is his name. Dude, if you're up on the apron, you know better than I because you've been in the business longer, right? Don't fucking mess things up. It's like if you want to interfere, you should have just interfered. But then the match would have ended in disqualification, and Kenny Omega would have retained, and then it would have been bitched about by the Smarts and the Marks and, and everyone and their brother's mother about how O-N-G, you know, um, Kenny Omega just books for himself and all this. Look, nice dude is just, I wasn't very surprised at all the, you know, the false finishes at the very beginning or the teasers and then the crescendo. was supposed to be a crescendo of a match. Here's the thing. When I watch a wrestling match, it's going to be different from when someone else watches the wrestling match. When I view AEW, is going to be different than how someone else views it. The point is, this pay-per-view, or lack thereof, I would not pay to see it. Fuck that shit. Mm-mm. Yes, they don't have certain elements and yes, they're trying to make things work on so it's like kinda of like the trotten down version of WWE. And I wanna admit it, but it is. It's basically like a live and living hotel. The type of show AEW gives. Would you want to stay inside a hotel in the arena? I don't know. And what do you know. You no. Aside from it being boring and, and you know, going all over the place with chaos I guess in the closing moments of this show, closing clips, if you will, there's one thing you can learn from watching AEW. It's don't book backwards. Also, make sure that when certain people say something, you're paying the fuck attention, especially during promos or interviews. It's so copied and pasted from a certain company shall remain name New York Yankees. So, anyways, bad show all around. It's made me want to bury my face in the sand. I'm say, all right. If you didn't like what good old Brian Earls had to say, then I got three choice words for you: forget about it. I gotta eat dinner. Toodles, bitches. I love you all. Thank you, Latvia, Indonesia, Toronto, Ontario, Montreal, Quebec, Tokyo, Japan. All the wonderful places that you, I. Love to go through. Right. So, without further ado, monkeys in the truck. Could you do me a favor and get my outro? Thank you. Mm-hmm.
0: No, dude.
3: That was weak. Went through it Slim Jim. No, no, no. That's copyright.
4: To those bitches. Ooh, yeah.
2: Look in my eyes What do you see? The cost of the night a cultural now, a person now.